Today on Act News Daily. I was laughing with Courtney telling her that I had a dream of renting a camper van and traveling the country with my husband, but he's a little bit of a diva and he likes his long hot showers and he wasn't completely sold on the idea. And Courtney said, you know, I, I totally, you know, do the camper van life with you. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Tanner Winterhoff, brought to you today by Kubota Tractor. Together we do more. Tanner, I am still not doing well with this good morning thing. You know, I was just going to try and quit Google how long it takes to break a habit, um, but we'll get you there. I think it's like 21 days. Oh, well, no, it's three days I thought to break a habit, 21 to make it, but apparently that's not the case uh, for my brain. Well. We've got, we certainly have some work to do. Yes, we do. Uh, so looking at the news today, unfortunately, if we jump over to Bhutan, Bhutan, I need to get better at my pronunciations, Delaney. I think but it's Bhutan. Yeah, there is an outbreak of African swine fever oh, on wow. a pig farm near the border with India. So Bhutan, uh, for you geographically is between China and India. It's not a very large country, uh, but the World Organization of Animal Health has certified this morning that the outbreak was reported on a semi-commercial pig farm in the Chahuka district of both adult pigs and piglets. So it sounds like a sow farm. Yes, it does. And it's a commercial setting, not a wild setting, which I think is another key there to mention. Correct. Yep. That is a very good distinction. All right. Well, it's been some time, I feel like, since we've had, you know, some African swine fever news. So interesting that it's in the news today of all days. Yep. Just a short article, but it made it. Well, I have some news here. Updated numbers, really, I should say, on expectations of the Ukraine crop for this year, multiple crops for this year, expectations for sunflower seeds, or excuse me, sunflowers and other crops coming out of Ukraine. According to the UN, as of Tuesday, they released some estimates saying that they expect one third of Ukraine's crops and agricultural lands may not be harvested or cultivated this year because of the Russian invasion. That was followed up, Tanner, by a couple of other statistics uh, the Institute of Agrarian Economics, never heard of this institution until I read this piece of news today, but they said that they are expecting the production of grains and pulses in the south central Ukraine region. So it's a very specific region to total just 41% of 2021 levels uh, with wheat at 40% and sunflowers at 34% of the previous year's production. The situation, they said, is better in the central and western regions where production of grain and pulses could fall by 18 to 25 percent from the previous year. So it really is kind of geographically specific as to how much crop is or ground is going to lay fallow this year. But all in all, the headline here is it is going to be significantly less than they've produced in years past. And produce a significant impact, unfortunately. Um, yes. It'll be, it will give our recap of the overnights for the markets, but relatively unchanged overnight, which is interesting. It sounds like the commodity traders are waiting for some news to come in. But people who are not waiting 
are those that are buying farmland. We talked yesterday, Delaney, that I was headed to a farm sale and I promised to bring results back. So we were Story County, Iowa, 154 acres. So a short 160 or a quarter section. Uh, Story County, Iowa is pretty much smack dab in the middle of the state. And uh, as soils are rated here in our state, we use a CSR score or a CSR2 score. This farm carried a 79.4 rating. So I would say it was a fair farm, Delaney. It's not mm-hmm. not the high, not the best. It had yep. a uh, had a drainage ditch running down through the middle, snaking down um, as far as that goes. But uh, we sold that farm for uh, $14,700 an acre. Wow. But if you backed it down to the tillable acres, it came out to 16150 or an average of $200 per CSR point. So to give some comparison, about a year ago, uh, most of your auctioneer, realtor, and appraisers were pricing farms at that $120 a point level. So a significant increase, another very strong sale. And that kind of goes along with the DTN article from earlier this month that we reported on that these still relatively low interest rates, skyrocketing commodity prices, and inflation fears are continuing to drive people into farmland purchases. And I can confirm that sale had two investors as the final two bidders. So this was not an actual farmer uh, by definition, but two investors were the final two bidders. Yeah, that's certainly interesting to look at, Tanner, because you're right, a lot of people are putting their money in assets that are hopefully appreciating in value and farmland. I won't see it always does, but it certainly has been on a wild rampage for quite some time. Yeah. And now the question is, just like with the commodity markets, when will it break? When will the mm-hmm. bubble the bubble burst and how bad will it be? Well, and speaking of that bursting bubble, I saw this article today on agweb.com. Thought it was interesting because, you know, as we mentioned earlier this week with Angie, we've hit a historic $8 corn mark. And this article is looking at really the last couple of big super cycle swings, you know, the 2012 era. When did we see prices this high? And it's been quite some time. It it wasn't in it wasn't Hold on, I'm mincing my words here. It hasn't been since August of 2012 that we've seen corn above $8. And when you think back to that, it was at the end of a growing season where we'd seen substantial drought, Tanner. So that's kind of on the precipice right now. You know, we don't know what this year is going to be. However, I also was listening to some commentary yesterday that said we're heading into our third year of the La Nina weather pattern. And that's kind of unheard of to have three years of hot and drier tendencies and abnormal for sure. So all in all, I don't know that we're heading into the 2012 drought era, but certainly from a commodity market price perspective, we're, we're there already. Yeah, it certainly isn't going to take much of a weather effect to cause swings just because of all the other factors making our markets volatile. It will be another interesting thing for us to track and keep tabs on. Um, But I didn't realize that it had been that long during this cycle. Yes, I know. I hadn't either. And the other part of that, that we have to, of course, recognize and acknowledge is the fact that 
this safrina corn crop is still continuing to discuss and experience drought issues. Over the next 10 days, more than 60% of the safrina corn crop, which is the larger of the two corn crops produced in Brazil, will measure less than a tenth inch of rain and temperatures are climbing to much above normal levels. I don't know how to convert Celsius to Fahrenheit very quickly. Three to eight degrees Celsius above normal weather temperatures for this time of year. So I don't know what that would be in Fahrenheit. I'll have to Google that. Yeah, it should just be, uh, it's going to be a larger swing than you anticipate, but um, certainly quite interesting. But before I jump into the next segment, reminder to our listeners that farming demands well-built equipment, Kubota equipment that is built right, built ready and proven for over a century. Tractors are adaptable, versatile, hay tools backed by two-year warranties, sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed and productive SSV skid steers. There's farm work to do. Kubota equipment is ready to get it done right. Learn more at KubotaUSA.com. But leading into your talk about climate, news coming from a volcano, Moana Loa. The volcano is the second largest volcano in the world. But right next to that volcano is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration outpost that helps monitor the carbon dioxide emission levels in our atmospheres. And uh, they're using this to potentially predict a global economy slowdown. So historically, as long as this outpost has been in place and monitoring this, they've been able to track economic slowdowns based upon the carbon in our atmosphere. The gist of the article is the less carbon in the atmosphere means that there is less output, both commercially and consumers, uh, to create that pollution. Now, to take note, we have been pushing for a lot of green initiatives, so things have been calculated for that, but our greenhouse emissions, our CO2 levels, have now fallen back to below the levels in July of 2021, so almost a year later, and we are below levels, which the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is saying is a call for a potential recession on the way. Um, they then tie this to uh, the International Monetary Fund's predictions, uh, the BuzzFeed's predictions, and Elon Musk's comments to support their findings. But it's quite interesting way, Delaney, I thought, to state an entity is observing where we might be headed in the yeah, economy. That's crazy to think it's they're doing that through atmospheric and carbon dioxide and measurements of those types of things. I, I don't even quite fathom how they're doing that. Yeah. And to me, you know, it was kind of neat to watch the chart to go back and see, because I was really curious as to, did we just drop below it or is it a big swing? And we are, we're just barely below those levels. Um, but it is very attractive. Those parts per million. Uh, it's impressive to see what they're looking at. Yes. Very impressive to say the least. Tanner, I've got just one final piece of news here, a little bit of legislation that has come out or really a way to help rural areas tap into federal dollars. The Biden administration on Wednesday rolled out a strategy to expand the USDA's rural development staff in a handful of rural states and tribes to help those communities have better access and also 
resources to access some of those government funds that are floating out there and available from things like the American Rescue Plan, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, and lots of other ones. So don't know how many additional staff will be placed in some of these rural communities, but they are in full hiring mode and saying that they hope to have quite a few more staff members in this rural partners network starting in May to hire and deploy quite a few additional staff members in some key states like Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, New Mexico, and the tribes in Arizona. Wow. So that's, that's going to happen really quickly because we're here on the 20th of April. Uh, That gives them 30 days to organize, roll out and start acquiring talent for these positions. And that's in May. In August, they hope to have about another five states with some additional staff in them as well. The question I have, though, Tanner, is a lot of these states they're focusing on, I mean, are definitely rural and agricultural productive states, but they're not the key states that you think of, the ice states, when you think of where crops are being grown. So I'm, right. I, it's it's curious to know how they picked these states, which they don't, of course, share in this article, but. Uh-huh. Of course they wouldn't. No, of course that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Well, Delaney, while you pull out the markets to round out our conversation today, I want to remind listeners that farming demands that well-built equipment, Kubota equipment that is built right. That is built ready and proven for over a century. Their tractors are adaptable and versatile. Hay tools are backed by two-year warranties. Sidekick utility vehicles are durability meeting speed and productive SSV skid steers. There's farm work to do. Kubota Equipment is ready to get it done right for you. Learn more at KubotaUSA.com. Fantastic. Well, Tanner, we are certainly seeing some mixed trade today in the grain markets. Old crop is actually up in both corn and soybeans. New crop is down in both corn and soybeans. While the wheat complex is having the opposite story just down across the board here today. As we turn our attention to livestock, live cattle and feeder cattle are both up on the day and lean hogs are trending lower. So definitely going to see some choppy trade here in the grain markets as they're continuing to try and identify and weigh, you know, what kind of weather and planting issues or maybe not issues we will have here in the United States. So Tanner, that's a little bit of an update here on the markets for today, but let's tee up today's interview, which is with the Back Road Cowgirls. You might recognize the voices that we'll be talking to today, Coach Kaya and Courtney DeHoff, who are both very famous on the social and Instagram space, I would say, Tanner. Yeah, and both have backgrounds in agricultural news media. So it would not be a surprise to me if our listeners recognize them before we even get them introduced. Absolutely. But without further ado, let's kick it over to that conversation. Well, folks, very excited to chat with two women powerhouses in the ag industry today, chatting with Kaya Twistleman Burchett, who is a life coach, a speaker, a podcaster. You've probably seen her on social media. She talks a lot about her journey. We're also chatting with Courtney Dehoff, who is a television host and a creator of a lot of different things, including Backroads, Cowgirls. Ladies, I'm very excited to chat with both of you. And thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Tanner, I'm sorry to say, but you're a little outnumbered today by uh, women bosses. So 
we'll we'll let you ask some questions but i absolutely look forward to this and uh, and gleaning perspective no i am i'm very much looking forward to this conversation Awesome. So am I. And Kaya, I know we've had you on the podcast before, but uh, just give us a quick recap for those of our listeners who are new to the podcast and may not have heard your episode. Tell us a little bit about your story getting here to Backroad Cowgirls. Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned that I'm a life coach and a speaker, but that kind of happened by accident. I am first and foremost, a California rancher. I grew up in my family's now seventh generation cattle ranch and really started my career in ag communications, working on behalf of the checkoff for the Kentucky Beef Council for a number of years. And while I was working my young professional life, I also started this health journey that I started sharing just on my own personal social media. And long story short, I ended up losing over a hundred pounds and, and somewhat accidentally falling into this space now where most of my time and energy is spent um, really empowering people to love themselves deeper, take care of themselves better and find joy in this messy, beautiful journey of life as a coach and now a speaker speaking, especially to um, women, women and men, but from the agriculture and rural communities. And now in this new endeavor that I'm so excited to share with you all today, really taking that love and passion for people and agriculture and marrying them together in a way that really makes agriculture more, um, available in a mainstream way, in a relatable and entertaining way by telling the stories of the people behind it through this new endeavor called Backroad Cowgirls, which we are so excited about. And Courtney, just really quickly, what's a little bit about your background? Yeah, so kind of similar to Kaya, I'm a Kansan. Originally, I grew up on a small cow-calf operation. Uh, My grandparents still run a large operation along with my uncle uh, in the Flint Hills, but I was just always a cowgirl through and through. I like to say I am a cowgirl turned television host. I sort of fell into the world of broadcast television and entertainment in college and never looked back. Um, But I sort of always had this struggle of I didn't quite fit in perfectly to the world of, you know, TV, Hollywood, big city life, because I always had been and was a cowgirl. And so, you know, a decade long career in television uh, from the local to the network level, I eventually sort of came to this crossroads and I was like, man, I really want to be the cowgirl that I was raised to be, but I also want to be a television host and live in these big cities. And so I started a a, sort of a lifestyle brand um, accidentally, kind of like Kaya started with a hashtag called Fancy Lady Cowgirl. And Fancy Lady Cowgirl just celebrates men and women uh, really from all walks of life who embody the cowgirl and cowboy spirit, whether they live in a big city or whether they're boots on the ground on a ranch or farm. Uh, So that's been a really fun journey. But like Kaya, I also travel the country um, doing some keynote speaking and some cool things like that. Just my main message is that everyone has a place in agriculture, regardless of what you wear, what you look like, your way of life. I think that there is room for everyone at the table. And so that's really the platform that I sort of live and breathe on. And Backroad Cowgirls is just a beautiful extension of that. And I'm so excited uh, to be doing it with a dear friend and my Backroad Cowgirls partner, Kaya. Woo. <laughs> This is awesome. Like I am, I am sitting back in my chair, blown away uh, by the both of you. And this is this is fun. This is exciting. But Kaya, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about your back road cowgirls project that you guys are working on? How did how'd you come up with the idea, and what's it going to look like? 
Well, funny that you ask Tanner, because where all good ideas are born, there's always wine involved, right? <laughs> I was actually yeah. in Dallas on a seven hour layover from a speaking event I was at in Kansas. And Courtney saved me from baggage claim, took me out to lunch. And we were just chatting over, over lunch. And, um, we were both talking about how we we each individually have had this, this dream of one day having our own TV show. Not really sure exactly what that would look like. And I was laughing with Courtney telling her that I had a dream of renting a camper van and traveling the country with my husband. But he's a little bit of a diva and he likes his long, hot showers and he wasn't completely sold on the idea. And Courtney said, you know, I, I totally, you know, do the camper van life with you. And one thing led to another. And we thought, wait a second, maybe instead of waiting for some big wig TV producer to come and discover us, why don't we create our own show, tell our own stories? Why don't we really marry our love of agriculture, people and storytelling and travel all into one and put together this digital series and really start before um, somebody else hands it to us. And so we, that day over lunch, over that seven hour layover, I wasn't even, I didn't even know I was going to be seeing Courtney that day. I think it just kind of fell into place like it was supposed to. But that's where the, the vision of Backroad Cowgirls was really born. And our goal is eventually to share the stories of agriculture all across the United States, all across North America, all across the world. We're big, big dreamers here. And we really want to tell the stories of agriculture in a way that connects people to people. And we really want the people behind agriculture to be the main focus. And really share the diverse stories of what agriculture looks like, not just the diverse commodities, but also the diversity in people, first-generation farmers and ranchers, um, large-scale operations, small-scale operations, specialty crops, um, people of color in the industry, LGBTQ plus people in the industry. We really want to show this diverse snapshot of what agriculture looks like. And we're getting ready to shoot our first pilot season this spring, just here in a couple of weeks, ready or not here in California. And I am so excited. California is my home state and I cannot wait to really share these stories in a way that is, is educational. Yes. But something that is entertaining and resonates on the human level with people. So Courtney, with your background being in TV, I imagine this was a natural fit uh, for you to want to take on a project like this. But as Kaya just mentioned there, you guys are just getting ready to shoot your pilot series. So will you be in front of the camera or behind the camera? And, and what kind of guests do you have lined up here for season one? Yeah, well, you know, the answer is we're all of the above. Um, <laughs> Kaya and I, you know, I'm sort of dusting off my camera equipment. I sort of started in the industry as a host, um, but nowadays in television and entertainment, especially in the news side of things, a lot of hosts are also expected to shoot and edit. You know, mm -hmm. you're expected to do multiple jobs. They pay you for one, that sort of thing. Uh, but I was so blessed because I was taught how to shoot and edit, you know, at a very high level. Now, I don't necessarily have the newest, fanciest, swankiest equipment, but that's what Kaya and I looked at each other and we're like, it doesn't have to be perfect as long as we're telling really great stories. So I'm bringing all of my camera equipment. We're going to shoot and edit it together. Kaya is going to knock stuff out um, on her phone for social media. Uh, that's the other thing, you know, we're going to try to document this sort of in real time and bring people along on the journey as it's happening, as it's unfolding, then, you know, when I get back to Dallas, we'll begin sort of putting together the YouTube series and editing those longer format uh, pieces. But yeah, it, you know, I'm so excited and I, I've worked sort of on the production side. I've worked in front of the camera. So now we're just going to 
we're going to, we're going to do it all. We're going to co-produce this thing. We're going to shoot it together. And, you know, the goal would be that someday down the road, Kaya and I would just be hosts and we'd be able to, you know, help produce it and host it. And we'd have a full, amazing crew, but you know, you got to start somewhere. And so that's what we're doing. We're, we're going to start somewhere. As far as guests that we have lined up, you know, we've got so many th- cool things in the works and really like from, from all walks of, of the industry, which is what we're so excited about from agritourism, you know, we're going to be doing a little sidecar tour, like in a, mm-hmm. like in a motorcycle through the, through the vineyards and restaurants. We we're going to hit up a, an Angus ranch. We're going to hit up a pistachio farm. Um, I've sent some emails to some oyster farms. If there's any oyster farmers listening in the area, we would love to come, <laughs> we'd love to come and experience that. Um, but we're really just trying to highlight as Kaya mentioned, the people. And we're really trying to highlight people who interconnect those rural and urban communities. Because when it comes to agriculture and when it comes to the narrative surrounding agriculture, we believe that it's going to take everyone. It's going to take people from the urban communities and the rural communities coming together to really, you know, make sure that our industry continues to grow and thrive. And so we're just really excited. It's still sort of a work in progress. The scheduling, it's it's been a little bit crazy. It's harder. I feel like, thank goodness for Kaya, because I, you know, I have to keep pull up a California map every time we get ready to book something. And I'm like, oh, that's six hours in the wrong direction. So I guess that won't work. Uh, but, you know, thank goodness for Kaya and all of her wonderful connections um, in California. So ladies, I am at www.backroadcowgirls.com and am learning all about this as we talk and uh i can't get over this van that is on <laughs> the home page and then the second image that came into my mind was mike and frank from american pickers is that what yes. you guys are gonna you're gonna be bopping around giving each other a hard time and jumping out and seeing all these cool ag sites is that is that what the plan is yeah. So that is, it's so funny. You say that very similar vibes. Um, my husband is a huge American pickers fan and fun fact, Tanner, I can't remember exactly how long, but, um, they actually started shooting and they started as a YouTube series too, for years before they ever got picked up by mainstream media, which is also why Courtney and I are like, we don't need to, you know, wait until we have the fancy crew. You just got to get started. But we have big dreams of getting picked up by a mainstream um, streaming network like a Netflix or a Hulu or a Magnolia network. We really want to take these stories mainstream eventually, but we figured we're just going to start with what we have, where we're at. And um, that that picture of the van on the homepage, we do have a van. It does not look exactly like that, but our van <laughs> is a white van. It's a 2002 Euro van. His name is Moby. He is nothing fancy, zero frills. We are really bootstrapping this pilot season. So speaking of not having a production crew, um, it's really Courtney and I doing this thing, mostly solo. And we are... We put together a a GoFundMe page for people that really want to support the mission and support that cause of taking agriculture mainstream and sharing these stories. And we have been blown away by the generous support that we've already received from private donors. We've also got a few brand sponsors, um, companies that have come come on board that really want to partner with us and share this mission as well, which has just been so, so cool to see people inside and outside of the agriculture community rally behind this, this vision and really helping us support taking this bootstrap to pilot season and uh, making something of it. I'm getting like chills as you guys are talking about this, because I think this is coming at such a necessary time. And I'm just so excited to see this project take off. And I would assume that you're gearing this 
content largely towards consumers to help tell agriculture's story. But maybe that's a bad assumption to make. Is that who you're targeting in doing this? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't think that's a a bad assumption at all. You know, really, at the end of the day, like when Kaya and I sort of sat down and we're like, okay, here's what we want to do, you know, there are a lot of shows about where your food comes from and, and, you know, the science and the data and the research and these people believe this and and this group of people believe this, but really what we really want to push home and something that I was taught very, very early on in my television career, people don't connect to data and facts. People connect to people. And so we really just want to show that whether you, you know, whether you eat beef or not, we want to take you on to a ranch and we want to introduce you to the mom and the husband who are running this, you know, ranch in California together. We want to show you what their day to day is like. We want to show you, you know, that they're just like the moms living in big urban areas. You know, they're, they're trying to do what's best for their families and their kids and, and they're raising food in the process. You know, I think um, for us, yes, we want to, we want to connect to the consumer in, in the urban areas, but Kaya and I, you know, when we really look at where the support thus far has come from, you know, it's, it's come from agriculture, it's come from producers. And so we're really, you know, we're really trying to produce something that speaks to both the consumer and the producer, no matter how different their lives are, their backgrounds are. Um, you know, I am a big fan and I, I know Kaya is probably tired of hearing this, but I'm a huge fan of Anthony Bourdain. You know, I think what he did was so special, not because he was traveling the world, showing the cool dishes that you could eat all around the world, which he was doing, but he was really allowing you to connect with the people of these different countries, of these these very different, you know, lifestyles. Kaya is a huge Queer Eye fan. So we're like, let's just combine Bourdain and Queer Eye together, two of our favorite shows, and, you know, sort of produce something that celebrates agriculture in all of its many forms. Ladies, this is fantastic. And I know I've said that like six times already during this conversation, but we are only meant to tease our listeners about what you guys have going on. So now (laughs) let's drop social media handles. I've already talked about backroadcowgirls.com, but if somebody wants to learn more about your journey, potentially support your journey or provide you a stop on your journey, how can they find you? Absolutely. So like, like Tanner said, backroadcowgirls.com is going to be the main hub to find all the things. Um, I really see there being three main ways to support us. Number one is just cheering us on. I know that seems silly, but, um, you know, just, just the support and energy that we've received so far from people that are excited about the project is really helping fuel that passion that Courtney and I have. And we really believe in this, but getting to see other people believe in it too is huge. So just cheering us on sharing the project is a great way you can support Another way is to um, donate some funds, right? We we picked a time to do a cross California road trip um, when gas prices are pretty steep here. <laughs> I don't know how how expensive they are where you were at, but it took me $140 to fill up my truck yesterday and ooh, it's steep. But um, if you just have the means or are called to do so, just to donate any, any funds to help us get a few more miles down the road, there's a button right there to support the mission. You can donate whatever feels good to you. And the third way too, is to come on as a a brand sponsor. So if you are a company, a brand, an organization that believes in this this partnership, 
and would like to help um, to help us really amplify these voices, um, as well as collaborate with us on our social media campaigns. We have a reach of over 107,000 people combined. We'd love to partner with you and see how we can work together. And there's a spot for that on the website as well to fill out one of those sponsorship forms too. And um, in terms of social media, you can find both Courtney and I on Facebook and Instagram. I'm coach underscore Kaya on Instagram um, and coach Kaya on Facebook. And Courtney is Court Dehoff on Instagram and and Courtney Dehoff TV um, on Facebook as well. So, you know, our goal too, we're going to turn this into a YouTube series. You can find our YouTube page on the website too. You can sign up for our newsletter so you can see where we're at with the project. We'll send out regular updates. Um, but we're also going to be documenting this in real time on our social media as well, which is coming up very soon. So make sure you're following us to see all the behind the scenes of that journey. Um, we can't wait to take people along. It's going to be a blast. Again, a big thank you there to Kaya and Courtney for coming on and chatting with us today. Tanner, I'm really excited to see this project a lift off the ground. I am too. I think they should have gone and sprung for a large RV or motorhome, something a little <laughs> bit more comfortable than the van they discussed, but it will be a fun journey to follow. It certainly will, folks. So be sure to follow along with them in their journey on social media and hit them up on their website to see what you can do to help support them in their journey. But don't forget to also follow us on social media at Ag News Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tanner, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let the people go.